0: Welcome to Innovation, a place where I discuss the world of business, innovation, technology, and beyond, with a rotating crew of industry experts and mainstays. Enjoy. We're taping this on a thursday june 22nd uh 2 25 pm um east coast time um it's a it's it, from a non-innovation side non-technical side it's a very exciting day for me as a big nba fan because it's uh it's the nba draft i'm less concerned about the uh the draft picks and more about the trading because i'm a, a a secret general manager at heart now with that out of the way Today, we have a fantastic guest, uh, someone that I met recently, but I I was just blown away by um, all that she's accomplished to date, her current mission, and what she seeks to accomplish specifically um, in revolutionizing uh, the workplace. Uh, We are joined today by Muriel Clausen. She's an industrial organizational psychologist, um, by trade. Um, she is uh, co-founder of several ventures that, you know, where we will touch in um, shortly. Uh, she's incredibly passionate about unlocking a, the human potential to help people live radically fulfilling lives. And she's combined her love for industrial organizational psychology, data science, economics, and technology to really explore how times have Technological change can be leveraged for the betterment of all workers. Muriel, welcome to Innovation.
1: Thank you so much for having me, uh, Javier. And uh, I love your passion for this topic as well, and really looking forward to our discussion.
0: Yeah, I think this is the the very first time, and I've had some some really interesting people that are passionate about economics and and labor and and technology. But I think it's the first time we you know, you and I think in, in very similar ways, and we were very passionate about the same um, the same arena. So this is really, really exciting. Um, what I would love to do in, to start our conversations to first tackle your current venture, Opticity. Um, I know that you're very busy uh, building it up. And, you know, uh, the way that I can introduce this by is this is sort of a nervous system of skills. So why don't we talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So uh, with a past startup that I was working on, uh, we were trying to build a tool that was going to help workers path through their careers. So kind of understand how to get from where they are today to where they were trying to go. Uh, One big hurdle we ran up against though, is that kind of a foundational data set to build this Uh, really didn't exist in the way that we needed um, to look at this effectively in the context of technological change. Uh, So what I realized looking into this space is that um, when we're building these tools, when we're producing reports, when we're trying to make predictions on a policy level about the future of work, what we really were lacking is a common language around skills and an understanding of kind of the skills that are actually required for the work that we're doing, how those skills interrelate, and how uh, future resilient those skills are actually going to be with new technologies. And so really mapping all of that together, creating that common language, and creating that database that can be a foundation for tools, policy, research in this space uh, was my passion, and that's what we started building with Opticity.
0: So why is rapid upscaling important in this space?
1: Yeah, so when we look at job disruptions from technology, uh, we actually have historical examples, uh, the famous one being the Luddite movement. But anytime we're looking at this issue of uh, technological unemployment, uh, w- the solution historically has been for workers to develop new skills. So we call that upskilling at Opticity. Uh, And that's always worked quite well and uh, helped to sustain workers over time. Now, there's an interim where a few people were kind of hurt by those changes, but on the whole, most workers were able to adapt to these new technologies. Uh, The risk today, though, is that the pace at which the technologies are advancing and the type of work that the technology uh, will potentially be able to do, some people fear that we won't be able to upskill workers fast enough. So, um, that's why I started really looking into this issue of rapid upskilling and the most integral important part of rapid upskilling is that we're helping target workers in on what exactly they need to be focused on next to get to where they're trying to go. So the main issue is we just can't be wasting time having people develop skills in arenas off of a hunch or off of what some news report said. Uh, when that might not actually be a future resilient skill after all, or might not be the skill that gets them where they're trying to go. So what we're trying to do is have an evidence-based approach uh, where we're actually really quantifying what these skills are and helping people really have a roadmap as they look into rapidly upskilling.
0: So that brings us to my second question. Uh, What are some of the barriers to rapid upskilling today? Because that's you know, you just mentioned some some uh, challenges and obstacles. So let's let's do a deep dive on that.
1: Yeah. So one of the big problems um, I would say is that a lot of our education efforts really aren't built around lifelong learning. So uh, we we trust kind of an accredited degree to get us the skills we need to get to the next step. Um, but sometimes that misses the mark. We're not we're not always sure. And then also outside of that. Um, it's very unclear kind of what type of educational investment, whether it's learning informally through even a video game or whether it's taking an online course, um, what's actually going to help develop the skills that a worker needs. Uh, so really trying to map out how how different uh, learning inputs can lead to kind of the output we're looking for. I think that's a barrier that's been there. Um, another one, though, is just that we often have... Uh, situations where workers are encouraged to go down a certain route for upskilling. um, But that actually hasn't been very well vetted. So we have, um, it's been very popular to say, oh, go into STEM fields, that's the future. Well, so that's very broad. What are we actually giving workers for their roadmap forward with that? Are we are we certain, too, that what we're recommending is actually going to be future resilience? So if we tell people to learn programming, for example, which has been a common one over the past five years, uh, are we actually thinking about that in the context of these technological changes? And so I would argue that um, that's actually a very precise, repetitive function, which is very useful in our economy today, but that's actually something that maybe technology will play more of a role in than human workers. So really making sure that we're not kind of falsely steering people, um, but that we also kind of have the granular understanding to even steer them correctly, I think, are the two big hurdles.
0: Absolutely. And that brings us to Opticity, to your current venture. So why don't you talk to us about what it is, what it does, what it aims to accomplish, Um, because I'm really, really intrigued by this.
1: Yes, wonderful. So Opticity uh, is really setting out to build a foundational data-driven tool uh, that can be used by workers, policymakers, educators, researchers, entrepreneurs, uh, who are trying to just understand the future of work. Where are we headed? Uh, So what it is, is we've created a skill map that we kind of think of as the nervous system of skills Um, So at a very, very granular level, we're mapping data on skills um, from uh, really every job you can think of here in the United States, uh, how those granular skills connect to form skill stacks, which are these broader kind of categories of skills, um, Mm -hmm. which builds out our taxonomy, and then how that relates to actual job opportunities. So we use a pretty advanced uh, data methodology to build this out, but what you end up having is this active uh, dynamic kind of mapping where you're able to see how everything that a worker could possess in terms of skills interconnects and how that relates to opportunities. Uh, So we're building this primarily uh, for other organizations and individuals to use to leverage for Um, other outcomes in this space. Now, there is a way that a a worker could actually manipulate this themselves and look through and see if they, oh, if I add this skill, uh, what new opportunities are available. Um, But uh, essentially, what we're hoping is that uh, through the Open Data API, that people working in this space can start having a more evidence-based way of talking about the future of work. Um, One piece that I, I should mention that's a real crux of it is that our whole model is weighted um, with the this uh, metric of future resilience that I've been talking about, where we're looking at how uh, technological changes um, may impact these different skills for workers and help to people to proactively understand uh, which of their skills that they're cultivating or would like to cultivate are actually worth investing in.
0: So just based on that alone, this could certainly, and beyond certainly, I think, is going to have a dramatic and, and dramatic in a from a very positive point of view impact on workers not only workers but also employers in in, in finding the right fit I and mean, workers being able to find to to kind of craft design their that that's smart data-driven evidence-based pathway to success
1: yeah so I'm also a researcher in this space and working um, with a lot of kind of qualitative research where we're interviewing workers from all different sectors of the economy, um, the main feedback that we heard about this technological unemployment issue was, I just don't understand. I just don't know if my job is going to be there. I don't know what I should even, like what part of my job I actually can count on a bit more than others. Like what should I even invest in? So we just wanted to create a sense-making tool for workers just so that they can get a visual map. Uh, So there is a data visualization component where we're giving them a visual map that just like a Google map, you can actually move around inside of it. So you're going to be able to manipulate um, the skills like that you've developed already in the map. This will actually change what your whole network looks like. And then you can see of those skills, which ones may go away. Then of those that are more future resilient to these technologies, how can you kind of augment what you already have by developing new skills and then what new opportunities open up? So really the goal for workers is we don't want anybody to look at their career and see a dead end. We want them to see pathways forward. Um, so we're not the solving the whole issue. Certainly not. We're not answering every question. But it's really a sense-making tool on the front end. Uh, what I'm a lot more excited about is the foundational data uh, open API piece that entrepreneurs um, and innovators, uh, change makers can use, how they can leverage that data to build more robust tools to help workers and companies who are tra- looking at this issue.
0: Now, beyond that, uh, there's also a significant impact for policymakers and educators. Um, let's talk a little bit about that, because um, they're one of the biggest uh, expenditures that, you know, in our country's um, education. And at the same time, it's incredibly underfunded. So let's talk about opticity um, in terms, you know, with a focus on education and policymaking.
1: Yes. Yeah, so one of the, you know, so we have a couple things in life that we still largely leave up to chance. Uh, things like romance and friendship. I would actually say careers are one of them. You know, some of us have the privilege to take interest assessments and to learn about where we're going. But too often, uh, kind of what we're going to do with our career, we just kind of make the next best choice we can with the information available. And that's often very incomplete. Uh, So one thing that I'm really passionate about is having evidence-based education policy. Uh, I believe that we should really understand what skills are kind of crucial to all workers. And those may be things like collaboration, or that may be something like knowing how to uh, to do some basic data science functions. Uh, we we'll we'll see that in in the data as we test this model further. But understanding kind of what is important for all people to to know. Uh, what additional skills do, do each worker need to know to go down the path that they're interested in? So our, our education system is still based upon an old, an older model where we're we're training people for different types of careers than they're going to actually have accessible to them today. So I'm interested in how do we actually inform our educational policy with uh, this quantified understanding of how skills actually work together, what skills are important for workers, and really inform the classrooms that we have with that. Uh, I know that's a, a grand goal and a big a big system to overhaul. But I mm-hmm. think if we can start doing that, even in small ways, um, even just helping to tell college students, okay, actually, here's the real skills you're going to need to have to do this kind of work that you want to do when you graduate, make sure you're learning that in your system as you go through your education
0: absolutely and so you know approaching that in a really smart way it's it's kind of you know people talk about augmented reality it, it's kind of like a it really is kind of like an augmented i wouldn't call it reality it's augmented um education and and, and kind of like career planning um yes absolutely m- m- right so we we should come up with some kind of acronym for that one and then you, <laughs> yes, and then, then, you, then you trade that. you trademark it and then you can just send me some i don't know like five percent royalties <laughs> i'll be more than happy with that i can pay for my son's shorts <laughs> or something wonderful um, we
1: can go 50 50 well, and there's another piece to this too um that i want to touch upon so uh in the conversation of technological unemployment this is a very invoked topic we have a lot of articles coming out every day about this. Mm -hmm. There's conferences being formed around it. Uh, One thing that's been discouraging for me as someone who kind of sees how the sausage is made as a researcher in this space is that a lot of the reports that people are basing their judgments off of, a lot of the reports that are informing popular press articles are based in pretty faulty underlying data sources, because these are data sources that were never designed to look at the future of work. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing in particular that I think can really be rectified moving forward, um, to take us from kind of our best guess to actually some real uh, evidence-based work in this space, is um, to think about how when we talk about automation of jobs, it's not an entire job that is automated there's skills that a worker will still carry with them Um, so some of the skills of a worker maybe have been automated but other skills are still really valuable and so uh, one goal i have is to help researchers and then the popular press and how this discussion is being framed to get away from that false dichotomy of a job is gone or it's not and instead think about okay what does a worker still have that's valuable to them how can we connect that to new opportunities and i think that we can really Reframe how we're talking about this whole topic um on a broad scale
0: uh, absolutely it's you know it's um I was having a conversation not too long ago with with a surgeon, and you know he was asking me, well, how do you see this where my industry's going uh, is automation going to you know is automation going to eliminate my job right he said because i still mm-hmm. I still have six hundred thousand dollars in in student loans and i said i don't i don't think so not at all yeah when it comes to a surgical procedure you're going to have a lot more um use of robots right cuz robots are can be very very precise in how they do their work especially around like little tiny mm-hmm. spaces where mm-hmm. the human hand might or might not be able to to uh, to, to surpass that the, the robots performance right but um subject matter expertise experience perspective uh, knowledge all kinds of things you know I- interaction with with a with a patient uh, understanding uh, the sensitivity all these things that's not going away anytime soon and at the same time history has shown us that every time that something has been automated there's been a a kind of like um, a, a direct sometimes and other other times indirect effect creating other jobs that previously did not exist and and are actually Absolutely. complementary to the automation of the previous um, task so we can't just think that it's it's the end of the world yes could it be could we be facing a an increase in in unemployment potentially in you know 15 to 20 years maybe maybe not but we're mm-hmm. we're then assuming that that the human um, that, that human nature is not going to evolve in many ways just like we have in many others and in the yes, past. So, exactly. so there's, that, that's something to, to keep in mind. So in terms of opticity, um, so let's think, let's think about uh, these policymakers and educators, uh, researchers, and innovators. If they want to hear more about what you're working on, how can they get a hold of you? How can they begin reaching out and starting a conversation?
1: Yeah, the best way to reach me um, is at my personal email for Opticity, which is muriel, uh, M-U-R-I-E-L at opticity.com, oppticit Um And you can also visit that website to learn more about what we're trying to do and to sign up for a newsletter.
0: Now, talk to me about um, pre-opticity because um, from... Up, uh, you know, up to this point, there were probably a ton of things that you did in order to prepare yourself for this point. I know that you um, you were part of Singularity University and and um, you attended the University of Georgia. So why don't you talk to me about your professional trajectory and how that shaped you for this moment? Because being an entrepreneur, be it in the Valley or in the Northeast corridor, in technology where it can be a very, very tough uh, place, um, and and especially for women, um, you know, h- how are you managing all this and, and what led to this moment? I, I'm always, I, along with many of our listeners, are always very intrigued uh, about a person's trajectory.
1: Yes, absolutely. So I was one of those people who I don't, I didn't really think about what I wanted to do before I went to college um, and I, I knew I had my, my life's mission, uh, which you mentioned earlier in the podcast. I, I, when I was a young girl, I wrote down that I wanted to unlock human potential and help everyone live radically fulfilling lives. So that was, I think, 12 year old me. Um, and that's, and that's remained, but I hadn't really thought about how that could play out in a career and it ended up in a couple of lines of work that really weren't fulfilling to me, which is a pretty typical story. Over 80% of American workers are not satisfied in their, in their current career. Um, And so I really uh, aggressively looked into tools that help you figure out how to, how to uh, take steps forward. Um, And there are some great resources out there in the form of books and some assessments. um, But also a lot of it I had to kind of pull together on my own um, because resources that really help walk you through that are kind of, I think, starting to come into the marketplace now and kind of these robust uh, visualization tools for that. Um, But then I ended up um, furthering my education for a bit. uh, And then I actually was uh, cold calling people who worked in this field of IO psychology, asking if I could come work for them uh, for free for a bit. And I ended up Uh, working as a consultant with an organizational psychology consulting firm uh, for a couple of years, which was an incredible experience because I was able to be in companies of all sizes, uh, working with workers who were um, everywhere from uh, power line um, installation crews all the way up to C-suite executives at Fortune 500 companies. Um, So I really developed a passion for helping people love what they do and find meaning in their work. Um, And uh, I think that really led to my excitement around technology, though, because, uh, as I said, you know, we have uh, over 80% of workers aren't finding meaning in their work right now. They're not satisfied in their work. So I actually see uh, some of these changes with technology as, yes, a potential threat, but also a potential tool to, to give more people dignity and agency in their career. Um, so, I became excited about how can we um, choose to build a better future for workers? How can we actually um, give them tools to navigate this changing work landscape so that more people um, can be doing something that they love? And and those are really the three most important things that we find in the research for workers to really feel satisfied in their work are agency, dignity, and uh, pathways. And so we have more and more people who don't rely on just an organization throughout their whole career, um, which has its downsides. But that also does give a little bit more kind of agency over getting to change your path as you go. Um, But the pathways really haven't been there as much for workers. And so that's why I really believe it's important that we build tools today that can help people navigate these changes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think it's also important that we think seriously as a society about how do we create Uh, work environments, how do we create opportunities for people that really help them feel fulfilled in their lives? Um, I, I, from all the work I've done as a researcher, but then also just as a human working with all these workers, uh, there is a utility to work beyond a financial utility. And so I think it's really important that we think hard as a society in this pivotal period about um, how do we make sure that we're actually taking care of that human need? How do we make sure that people are doing meaningful things with their lives? And I think that technological unemployment as a threat could lead to a very kind of dystopian outcome, but I also think it could be a turning point to a better outcome for more workers and that we could have more people doing interesting things augmented by technology. So I want to help people get there.
0: Agreed. I, I, I see three, so talking a little bit more about that, I see three different types of You know, again, there there are a lot more groups uh, out there, different types of workers. But typically, I see three different types of personalities um, Mm. based on on economic um, um, indicators. One, it's the I am a worker, and I'm a low wage worker, and I need to work in whatever type of job, no matter what that job is, in order to bring bread to the table. Um, Mm -hmm. And I need to do it. No excuses. my, my kids need it. My parents need it. I need it, you know, irrespective of whatever uh, personal situation you might have. The second, then on the other side, on the other extreme, you have the, I am an extremely, um, extremely wealthy individual, extremely privileged from an economic um, point of view and, and socially as well. <clears throat> and I, I I'm going to focus on making money and making more money and making more money. And if what I, and if I don't like, if I don't love my specific job, that's okay. Because money's Mm -hmm. what's driving me, not because of, because I need to put food on the table, but because I just want to accumulate a mass and it becomes more a a competitive um, thing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, A competitive, a luxury thing. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, Who's got who's got um you know, who's got the biggest house, who's got the biggest car, type of thing. And then you've mm-hmm. got the the what's in the middle of the sandwich. What's you know, it's actually the lettuce, the tomato, uh, the salami, the prosciutto, and <laughs> and you know, the 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 really, the really good stuff in there and which makes the majority of the uh, of the sandwich, and that's the individuals that um make solid money, not a whole lot. It's only getting bigger and bigger as, as wages don't keep up. And, mm-hmm. and so we're seeing that where a lot of people that are for the most part, um, educated enough, uh, a lot of them are actually overeducated compared to their current job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And That, but, but they're able to pay their bills, they're able to go on vacation a week here and there, uh, they're able to, you know, start a family. Yes, there's they have some debt, but they're able to manage things, and those individuals. Based on, on there's no this is there's no scientific research here, it's just my my observations on life. Those individuals which happen to be in, in your generation more so than in my generation, I think my generation is more driven by, by money. Um those individuals actually want to live happier, more fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. they don't necessarily if the difference in the job is uh you know, I'm going to earn with job A $120,000. But with job B, I'm going to earn $90,000. But job B is is going to be far more fulfilling. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with job B. And and I've seen a lot of that. I really have seen a lot of that. and, and, And I think that's that's a lot of where we're going, where that's why I love what you're doing with Opticity because it's it's kind of the, this um, upscaling a la carte, right? Where you find the individual, you tell them, look, you have all this great stuff within you, right?
1: Mm-hmm. All this great, mm-hmm. and this
0: is all this great stuff that you can accomplish, right? It's just a matter of of turning you from a static resume to a dynamic, you know, uh, kind of like uh, worker with 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 dynamic visuals that you can uh, you know arm yourself with. So that's why I love love your venture. I have one last question before before I let you go. Um, what would you tell a, a your your thirteen year old self uh, based on what you know today?
1: So I would tell them that. Uh that you can't always kind of trust the even common knowledge or the reports uh, that come out, that there's a lot of unanswered questions, even at the upper echelons of uh, policymaking or research or uh, in Silicon Valley or wherever, um, but that you really have to uh, look for tools or figure out how to map things out for yourself. So don't assume that they're is a map already preset for you, but actually work to create that. And I hope soon that that's not true anymore. Um, But working to create that and that you really, if you're willing to take the time to map it out, um, there are so many opportunities available. Um, There are so many ways that you can access education today that weren't available in the past. There are so many ways to develop skills that weren't available in the past. Um, so I would encourage I would encourage them to kind of take any limiting beliefs off and kind of try to throw out maps that are given to you by other people initially, um, and to create their create her own map I guess I would say. Um, but then another a big thing I would say is that whenever you're building your career um, in life, realize that we're all in this system together and mm-hmm. that. Um, and that a rising, a rising tide floats all boats and to not lose sight of the people who have different work experiences, um, than they do. I think that's been the biggest lesson for me. I'm grateful that I actually have a close family member who is a, a truck driver. Um, and I, so that feels very personal to me, what a, a blue collar worker is facing right now with these changes. I also have close family members who are on that other side of the spectrum of a white collar worker, but, um. All workers today are dealing with a similar interconnected challenge because even if we're not the automated worker, uh, we are needing customers or we're in this system together. So realizing that we're all interconnected um, and being an advocate for workers across the spectrum.
0: Well, you have it here, Opticity, a data-driven tool that identifies the building blocks of work and how they map together. Its goal is to provide workers with an evidence-based tool to navigate a changing work landscape, Really a framework that enables workers to in- identify a path forward in their career and next steps for skill development. Muriel, you're gonna you're gonna crack this space and you're gonna be extremely successful. Thank you so much for um, being part of Innovation, and we hope to have you back soon.
1: Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Have a good one.